Life hit you so hard that you've been knocked down Have you gone too far to find the middle ground? Did they raise you so high just to pull you back down? Have you been so lost you could never be found? Cause I've been real, I've been fake Been a sinner, been a saint I've been right, I've been so I don't know what it's like to be you. You don't know what it's like to be me. What if we're all the same in different kinds of ways? Can you, can you relate? We both know what it's like to be hurt. We both know what it's like to feel pain. But I think it's safe to say we're on to better days. Can you, can you relate? Can you relate? Have you ever been left when you should have been loved? Has there ever been a time when you stayed but you should have run? Cause I've been real, I've been fake. Been a sinner, been a saint. I've been right, I've been so, so wrong Yeah, I've made my mistakes Now I don't know what it's like to be You don't know what it's like to be me What if we're all the same in different kinds of ways? Can you, can you relate? 
to be You don't know what it's like to be But by the grace of God we'll see each other's heart Can you, can you
fellowship in the house of the Lord in the morning. And uh, remember that we always have our coffee fellowship available. Uh, we have that 945 every Sunday morning. So please make sure that you come out and, and take advantage of that. And of course, we also have time afterwards uh, to do that as well. So we gather on Sunday mornings to bring worship to our God. And we worship God in many different ways. We love to worship God through music, which we'll do in just a moment. We worship God uh, through prayer, through the opening of his word. And uh, we worship our God through fellowship. He loves to, to see that. He gets uh, glory from that. And uh, in a moment, I'm going to read from one of the Psalms as our call into worship. You know, because we, we have... Um, we have busy weeks, we all have a lot going on, but we want to begin a new week on Sunday morning together praising the Lord, being reminded that we have this beautiful gift in the Lord Jesus of a personal, intimate relationship with the God of the universe. Isn't that amazing to even think about that the God who created the heavens and the earth created us and he knows us and loves us and wants to spend time with us. So we have that great privilege to be able to do that together. So throughout the week, we're worshiping God and honoring him with our lives and giving him praise and glory individually, separately. But we get together at the beginning of a new week to honor him and uh, to say thank you to him. And you know, part of doing that together is that we get to encourage each other and uh, remind each other of how good God is and what he's doing in our lives and in our world. And so take advantage of that. But now as I read from the word of the Lord, let it be your call to worship. Listen to these words. Realize that they are from our God, our maker. And take the opportunity to even pray um, as I read them that the Lord would, through his spirit, just help you to put aside all those things that may be a distraction to you this morning in bringing God worship, for he deserves it all. And I know that it is our heart's desire, but through the Spirit, he will help us do that because we get to spend time with our God, our Maker. This is from Psalm 127, and it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour me, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this... I shall be confident. For one thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle in the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up upon a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. 
and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Would you stand with me now, please, as I pray us into a time of worship? This reading reminds us that it is a beautiful thing to dwell with the Lord and to behold his beauty. Father God, we thank you for our word into worship this morning. God, as we sing these songs, may we enjoy dwelling in your presence May we take time to truly, in our heart of hearts, behold you, behold the beauty, to behold the light, to behold the truth, to behold your glory. Father, it is even too awesome for us to truly comprehend, yet because of Jesus and him alone, we can now pray to you and worship you, our God and King. Father, this time of worship is for you. We desire to dwell and to behold, and to do that together in your wonderful presence. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let us worship him together. Before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold him Jesus, Son of God, Messiah The Lamb, the roaring light Oh, be still and behold him
don't have love, I waste my breath with every song I bring. An empty voice, a hollow noise. If I speak with a silver tongue, convince a crowd, but don't have love, I leave a bitter taste with every word I say. So let my life be the proof, the proof of you. If we can、uh, make our way back to our seats, love to see some、uh, wonderful fellowship. Praise the Lord. See you. We thank God for our kids, our kids' ministry. We call it Trinity Kids and、uh, what they're able to do. Good morning. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>、uh, we praise the Lord together. So before we,、um, before we open the word of the Lord, Uh, just want to get caught up in where we are, the life of Trinity, and、um, call this our church life. So, of course,、uh, these are our core values, and we mention these often here、uh, Trinity learn, grow, and serve. This is how we pursue discipleship, how we pursue being followers of Jesus by learning the truth, growing in faith, and then serving and serving one another. And、uh, we serve. The people in this room, our church family and community, and then we take it outside of these four walls. We have lots of opportunities to,、uh, to serve. We have a missions team that is very active, and we have at least one opportunity every month to serve. There's one coming up next Saturday. But that's what we do、uh, being disciples and encouraging each other and challenging each other, and that path of being、uh, disciples and followers of Jesus. We learn, we grow, and we serve. Um, we have some things coming up. I want to make sure you mark your calendars. But as you look at that, also just wanted to say thank you to everybody that came out and served yesterday at our、uh, work day. We have a couple of those throughout the year. I think we had、uh, 14 people that came out yesterday. It was awesome. We praise the Lord for that. We got a lot of work done. Yeah. 
and a lot of things that we had to, some things yet to repair, and a lot of stuff that we had to clean and and uh, and set up. And so uh, we we're just grateful for for that opportunity. And so thank you for everybody that came out and gave any of the time that they could. We're thankful. So as you see, this coming Saturday is uh, the annual coat uh, giveaway, the coat drive for Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, one of our longtime uh, ministry partners, our missions partners. And uh, if you haven't signed up already, just go to their website, the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, and you'll see on there um, who to email to see if there's still opportunities to serve uh, next Saturday. I think it's from 10 to 1, uh, where they give away um, literally like thousands of coats and hats and scarves. It's a pretty amazing uh, event, and uh, it's a great need in the community there right in Asbury Park. And so... Um, take a, a, a moment to uh, just put that on your calendar. And if you can't go or serve, keep them in your prayers this week, and especially Saturday morning as they serve the community. And we're grateful to be able to partner with them. We have our Thanksgiving Eve service at 7 p.m. It's a great time to invite friends and family out. There's a, a short message that night, but most of the evening together is a testimony, just a time of all of you being able to just share a word or two about what God has done in your life this past year, what he is doing, and to be thankful. Because again, as part of our testimony, not only to the world, but to each other, we get to be reminded of how alive our God is. We know it, but to just be reminded of that, to see him at work in each other's lives and stories that maybe we haven't heard of. And so uh, we'd love to just uh, have you here that night for a wonderful evening of testimony some worship and a, a brief devotional, and then we end our time with uh, just some pie and dessert, get ourselves ready for Thanksgiving. So that's a wonderful evening, 7 o'clock on uh, Thanksgiving Eve. And then the women's uh, annual Christmas party is uh, Friday, December 1st, and uh, so make sure you know about that. There's our flyer for that, and so it's from 7 to, excuse me, 7 to 9.30. All the information for this and all the other events are on our website, trinityallenwood.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great resources, including our events page. So it shows you everything that happens weekly and then those special events that are coming up as well. And so I uh, just want to make sure that you make a note of those things. And so this is our series. And so I have a couple other uh, announcements, but you can turn to uh, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Uh, I think it's always uh, great. You bring your own Bible. We go through the the books of the Bible here at Trinity, and so we want to make sure that you bring the Word of God. You can use your app on your phone or, of course, your Bible. It's always good to look at it. We have some of the scriptures up on the screen for you uh, as a help as well. But you can turn there as we will uh, look at those few verses this morning in our continued series, King and Kingdom. It's a, uh, a, a study through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, but I just want to make sure that, uh, just a, as a, a reminder, that uh, we continue to pray for Israel, for the people, for that nation, for that land. Um, as I mentioned uh, last week, that if you go to our website, right on the top, there's a banner. It says, Prayers for Israel. If you click on that, there is uh, some prayers that I have written, some thoughts as you go into your own personal time of prayer uh, over the war in Israel and for God's people there, that you would um, just be able to pray for them. Uh, of course, as we see that in the news every day, we're reminded to pray, and we want to be praying for, uh, for Israel and praying for God's mercy on every life, everyone that's involved, and 
impacted by the war in that region. Um, we want to pray, again, this is in the, those prayers that I had, prayer insights I put on our website, but we want to pray for the salvation of many souls, because uh, um, maybe you've been hearing too, but I've been hearing stories from people on the ground there, from missionaries and teachers over there in Israel about uh, amazing testimonies and stories of people coming to salvation uh, through this time of conflict and war. Um, just heard a story yesterday on a podcast about an Orthodox Jewish man who was just so, um, just so impressed and taken by some Christians there, who uh, some Gentiles and Christians who were um, just helping him in just a very practical way. And uh, he had just said he wanted to hear more about Jesus. And so they were able to, yeah, to share the gospel and lead him to the Lord, and he was baptized. And, you know, you don't always hear about these things, but God does, um, God works miracles. And in the midst of um, the atrocities of war, the chaos, the confusion, um, God, of course, is still at work in the lives of individuals. And God will use whatever he needs to, whatever he desires to get people's attention and to draw them to himself. So we want to pray as we pray for God's mercy. We're praying for salvation. Um, we're, you know, that Jewish people, that Muslims would come to know Jesus Christ and of course all the Gentiles in that region. Uh, but as we consider um, the nature of war, the dangers of war, the atrocities of war, the, just the act of a military protecting lives and homeland. We, of course, think today of our own veterans. Yesterday was Veterans Day. And um, we want to make sure that we recognize always our veterans. But, you know, of course, in our country, we set aside this one day to just make sure that we are doing that. And so if we have any veterans among us today, would you be willing to stand? Anyone who served in any branch of the military? I know of, thank you, brother. Thank you. I know of, yep, praise the Lord. You can stay standing. You can stay standing. Stay. I know of, um, of two other men that aren't here today. They're traveling, but I know that they would be standing among you. So I appreciate you standing. And um, we just want to honor you and all of our veterans that are part of our um, church family, um, and all of them in our um, country today, we say thank you for serving and protecting, and uh, we just want to pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> our Father, our Father in heaven, your name be glorified. You are a God of all mercy and comfort and wisdom, and you are our strength. So today, we simply say thank you for our veterans. God, would you please help us to remember them more often than we do? But now, Lord, we pray for all those who have in their service of sacrifice to our country, given of their time, their strength, their courage to benefit all of us. We ask for your covering and blessing over them and their families. We pray that you would be gracious and bless them with your peace. We pray for your great favor and goodness to be evident in their lives. 
as we honor today the brave men and women of our military, past and present, we acknowledge that their service enables us to walk as free people in this nation of ours. We ask, Father, that you would please abundantly bless those who have previously served. May they know the rewards of their service and always realize how much their commitment is so humbly appreciated. We pray for now our future veterans, those who are currently serving, uh, serving our, um, on our soil and around the world, especially those currently engaged in active conflict. We ask that you please protect them, strengthen them, give them your peace. Please abundantly provide for all their needs and graciously bless their families. Lord Jesus, you bless us with amazing words of comfort when you say, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Lord, bring this gift now to all of our veterans as we pray those words over them, especially our wounded warriors. Bless them with a peace of mind beyond the peace that they even fought to secure. Bless them with the joy of a life touched by your strong hand and please bless them with rest in body and soul, the rest that only you can provide. Help them to walk wisely, staying united and strong, determined and unwavering. Bless our nation. Thank you for our freedoms. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We praise the Lord. And again, we do ask the Lord to remind us to pray for them often especially during these difficult times. And so we, um, we turn our attention to the Word of God, and uh, in a moment I will uh, read our passage for today. Um, but this morning, as you will see in a moment, we are going to consider salt and light. By way of review, um, last week we talked about what is commonly known as the Beatitudes, the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. And as we continue in our journey of the study of Matthew, we call it the king and kingdom because we are reminded that Matthew wrote this gospel to a predominantly Jewish but now believing in Jesus audience. And so he was simply writing these accounts of the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus so that they would be encouraged in the face of persecution and so that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that yes, the one in whom they had recently believed, Jesus Christ, is truly is the king and he is bringing the kingdom, the long-awaited kingdom that they had so desperately desired and prayed for. And so Jesus, in Matthew's account, comes to bring and offer the kingdom to the nation of Israel at that time, first century Israel. And Matthew is writing to share the accounts of Jesus that he experienced and that he heard. And so we have already seen, of course, the beginning of Jesus' life and his birth and his baptism. And we learned about John the Baptist. And we saw Jesus being uh, tempted in the wilderness, preparing for ministry. And um, we see his first sermon that we have a record of. The longest one we have a record of is from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which we just began last week, that started with those Beatitudes. And if you remember, it was a 
list that Jesus gave of inner qualities, inner characteristics that um, is required, that the king requires of the citizens of his kingdom. And he says, this is how you are to live it out now until I return to bring out the king, to bring in the kingdom. So he was telling the original readers, this is what to expect. This is what I expect from my citizens, really, in effect. And so it's all about those inner qualities. So now, as he continues in this great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, on that hillside there, along the, the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is teaching them. And so he got to, just got done telling them about these inner characteristics. And now he says in our passage today that we are salt and light, salt of the earth and light of the world. So really what Jesus is doing is he's saying, now that I've described to you these inner qualities and characteristics, here is the influence you're going to have in the world around you. Church, we need to be reminded of that today more than ever, that you know what? God has us here, the church that Jesus said he would build. The church, all true believers around the world, he has us in this world to be an influence. Are you an influencer? Some of you, maybe you follow those uh, internet influencers, you know? You have those that you follow. Some of you are shaking your head. Some up and down, some like this. But we know what that's like to be an influencer, right? It's a common term we use today. But do you know that God has called each of us as believers to be an influence in this world, in the places where we work, our communities, our neighborhood, in our families, in our world? That we are to be an influence for Jesus and the gospel and the king and the kingdom wherever we go. Because we are, as Jesus will tell us, salt and light. So today we're simply going to unpack those two things. Why would Jesus call us salt of the earth and light of the world? And why does he then say, after telling us about these beatitudes and how we are to be blessed and how we are happiest in him, now saying, look, take these things and be an influence for me for righteousness sake in the world around you. You know, salt has many uses. We need salt to survive. Do you know that most of the salt that we have, especially in this country, is not used for ingesting, for flavoring food? You know what it's mostly used for? Anyone take a guess? For, yeah, for de-icing the world. Almost 50% of all the salt we just put it on the roads, the ice. But yet, of course, we know the great importance of salt when it comes to uh, helping to enhance the flavor of food. It's also a preservative. Years ago, before refrigeration, it was used to preserve foods, especially meats, because salt helps to stop or at least slow down decay. We'll see why Jesus means that in our meaning as well for us being salt in this world. Our bodies need salt. It facilitates the transport of nutrients and oxygen. It allows nerves to transmit messages. It helps our muscles to work. Salt attracts the water in our bodies. 
is how much of our bodies are made up of water. So our organs need water to survive and function, and so it needs that salt. So in many ways, salt attracts the water, or it said water follows the salt. More about that later. So of course we know the importance of salt in our daily lives. We understand what it is and how it works. But Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth. So we're going to look at that and see why he calls us that. But he also says that we are the light of the world. And we know God created light. Genesis chapter 1, the first few verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, anybody know what he said then? Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Keep that in mind about why we're called to be light in the world. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning one day. That's the very opening of the pages of the Bible. So obviously, we need light to see. You walk into a dark room, you turn on the light, you can then see what is there. Light exposes things that are hidden, things that exist that are there but cannot be seen. But of course, sunlight, created sunlight, we need for our bodies as well, just like we need salt. We need sunlight to live, don't we? Some of us are kind of feeling that now, right? With the time change and the days are shorter and it's like we were out last night and... Uh, it just seemed like it was 11 o'clock at night. And we looked at our watch, it was like quarter to six. And we're like, what is going on? You know that feeling, right? And so we get that sense, especially when the seasons change, we need the sunlight. People flock in the summer to our neck of the woods here to go to the beach to soak in the rays. We do that as well. We need the vitamin D. It regulates our sleep. Sunlight cleanses. It kills germs. Jesus said, be salt and be light. What does he mean by that? Well, we also know that Jesus brings and is our spiritual light. So Genesis 1 opens with God creating light, that physical light. Jesus was there. He was creating. In John chapter 1, the first few verses, we learn about Jesus being the spiritual light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He's referring to Genesis 1. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. John, the apostle, was saying Jesus was there when light was created. Now he says in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. So we have physical light. We have spiritual light. We have physical salt. We have, in essence, we are spiritual salt. Let's read it together. Does this picture look familiar to you? Good, I hope so. So it's on the panels when you walk in the back main entrance 
there is a big salt shaker and a big light bulb as a reminder that when you leave this, but when you come in, you are being reminded that you are salt and light. Today, we're going to look at that specifically. And as you leave today, take a glance and look at that. Be a reminder. As you leave and go out into the world, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We need that reminder. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Here's what it says. You are the salt of the earth. Again, this is, of course, Jesus speaking in his great Sermon on the Mount. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The reading of the word of the Lord for us this morning. So let's begin He says that we are salt. You are the salt of the earth. So first remember, who is he talking to? He is talking to believers, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for the salvation of their souls, the forgiveness of their personal sin. So he is writing to these believers, and he is again encouraging them after having gone through the Beatitudes. He now says Here's how you're going to be an influence in the world. You are the salt of the earth. Let's unpack that for a moment. We talked a little bit about salt. We understand the nature of salt, how we use it in our lives. The readers, the original readers and hearers of this message from Matthew would have understood and from Jesus' sermon what he was meaning. To be the salt of the earth means that we as believers are valuable to this world. Do you feel valuable? Do you feel valued? Now, Jesus also said elsewhere as his ministry continued that the world would would hate us. He would hate us because we represent him. But he says, yet, even in the midst of that, you are salt of the earth, right? Even if as salt we are rejected, we are salt. It means we have value in this world. You know, Jesus, of course, was alive and ministered during the, the time of the, um, the, the, the Roman Empire, of course, right? The occupiers there of that homeland for the Jewish people. And so Jesus knew what that meant. And all of his hearers of his sermon would have understood that, that the Romans believed that other than the sun, we talk about light, Other than the sun, there is probably nothing more valuable than salt itself. In fact, we understand from historical records that the Roman soldiers were paid often in salt. How'd you like to go to work one Friday and instead of a paycheck, you just get a thing of salt? But why? Because salt had great value. So Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth. Christians, you have great value. I need you in this world to represent me because you're going to do a great many things and the world, whether they know it or not, 
They need you, and we will see why. You know, there's that old saying that, oh, you're not even worth your salt. He's not worth his salt. It comes from that. It means like if a Roman soldier wasn't even doing his job, he wasn't even worth the amount of salt he was being paid. Salt was also considered in the ancient world a, a mark of friendship. When two people would share salt, they were bound to look after one another's welfare. It was kind of used even in the binding of covenants and personal contracts. Perhaps even if they were previously enemies, salt would be something that would bind them together. It had that much value. Second Chronicles 13 gives an account of such a, a covenant of two parties eating salt together in the presence of other witnesses to confirm the uh, importance and value of their covenant. Almost like today we get a document notarized, right? Where it has to be notarized by an official in your presence that you signed something. Back then, salt was often used for that. Therefore, when Christ called the disciples the salt of the earth, they would have understand, would have understood what he meant. Salt was extremely valuable. Jesus is saying, we are valuable. We are to have an influence in the world. But see, salt also is a preservative. And so Jesus is saying, as salt of the earth, as believers, we help to preserve society from moral decay. Did you ever consider that? That the church, the global church, capital C, church, believers around the world, that a big part of our presence in the world, local assemblies like this, and around the world, the universal church, that we help in God's plan to preserve our societies, our cultures, from moral decay. Just our presence, the things that we share, the way that we live our lives. Again, all of those beatitudes, blessed are those who are peacemakers, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. See, us living these things out, these inner qualities then coming out of us and through us, the way that we live our lives, the way that we interact with our family and our neighbors and our coworkers, it has a preserving quality and influence and effect in this world. Even if you don't feel like it does. That is God's plan. Jesus is preaching and teaching his followers, you are salt of the earth. You have this preservative quality. But it also is an indication, of course, that our world, a world that is naturally because of sin dark, that is decaying, sin is a degenerative condition. It does not self heal or correct. It's only healed, of course, through the blood of Christ. We know that our world is decaying physically and spiritually and morally. Jesus says, you are my representatives here. You are the salt of the earth, our presence in the world. So much so that the Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, he says this, about when we as a church will be removed from this earth, what will then happen? Listen to his words 
as he talks about, and he's teaching about the coming of the lawless one. We call him the Antichrist. We read all about him in the book of Revelation. Paul is saying this is what's going to happen when he does come. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and also exalts himself above every so-called God or other object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Paul is talking about what will happen when this lawlessness, this lawless one comes. He says, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things, and you know what restrains him now, restraining the lawless one, so that in his time he will be revealed, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. See? The spirit of the lawless one, the Antichrist, is already at work in our sinful world. Only he now restrains, right? He who now restrains will do so only until he is taken out of the way. Who is the restrainer? It is the Holy Spirit. But I think even more specifically, we the church, the believers who have the Holy Spirit within us, each believer does, we together collectively are this restraining force, restraining against evil. And Paul is saying that when we, the church believers, when Christ comes for us and takes us out of this world, that restraining influence of the Holy Spirit will be removed. Not the Holy Spirit himself. He's God. He will always be here. But his influence in the world through us, the church, God's plan to bring the gospel and to represent him will be removed. At that point, the lawless one will be able to then go into the temple, put himself up as God to be worshipped. Read all about it. Revelation chapter 6 through 19. See, Paul is warning them what will happen when the influence of the church is removed Brothers and sisters, Jesus is telling us we're the salt of the earth. Until he comes back for us, we are to be the salt of the earth. And part of that is how we live out our lives, hungering and thirsting for righteousness' sake, to be a preservative against moral decay. Right? Believers preserve society by keeping back God's destructive wrath. Paul was just talking about it. We are to be a preserving influence in the world. We preserve the world in a negative sense by helping to slow down or retard the, the uh, process of decay, but we also preserve it in a positive sense by promoting righteousness. Therefore, that's why Jesus said a few verses earlier, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That is what we are to be doing. So, we preserve society by living out these principles, by living for God, by praying for our world as we just did, by being an influence for righteousness, by being an influence for good and not for evil. Take a moment to reflect. How are you doing in that area of your life? 
How are you doing in your relationships at work and at home? With your neighbors and your friends, what kind of influence are you or Jesus? Are you being salt? But what else does salt do? Probably the thing that we love most about it, it enhances flavor, doesn't it? It brings it out. We put salt on everything, don't we? Right? The ancient world used salt for seasoning too. Yes, a preservative, but as a a seasoning. Of course, we know the principle. When you put salt on something, you eat it, doesn't it make you thirsty? So if you eat something that is well-seasoned and salted well, it increases our thirst. So of course, Jesus is also saying, very simply, we should have a similar role in the world. Even though the world may mock us for our faith, claiming that Christians are boring and we don't know how to have fun. The re- right? Thank you, sister. Yeah, right. The reality is this. Society itself is bland, like tasteless food, because everything it offers fails to satisfy. Only Jesus can truly satisfy So if we're his representative, Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. He's saying, you are salt for me. You are bringing the flavor to this world. Do you walk into a room? Do you go to a party and bring the flavor? Do you bring it? I didn't hear enough amens for that, so I guess, you know. Brother Andrew, we praise the Lord for you, man. Hallelujah. Right? So you know what? When the world looks at us as believers, do they see something different? Do they notice it? Do they, is there a flavor to it? Like, has anyone ever said to you, like, oh, why are you so different? Like, why in the, the midst of all of us complaining about our problems here in the office that you just seem to have joy and you don't always complain? And we know you just got this terrible, like, medical, you know, uh, um, diagnosis, and yet you're still full of joy. Why is that? People are to see something different in our lives. Second Corinthians 2, Paul says it, that we are the aroma of Christ. You walk into a room and smell it up. That was a joke. You can laugh at that one. <laughs> Maybe all of you do, and you're like, oh my gosh, he's saying me. So is it amazing? Paul says we're like the aroma of Christ. Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. I think we understand what they're trying to say, that As believers, when we go through trials, do we do it with joy and without complaining? Are we content instead of constantly complaining and being dissatisfied? Do we bless others that may curse us? We're called to bless our enemies, to pray for them. Do we suffer willingly for righteousness' sake when God calls us to? These things demonstrate what the world lacks, and it draws people to Christ. Like that story I heard about that Orthodox Jewish man in Israel, just being just so affected by the simple help from non-Jewish people, from believers who are Christians, that he just simply wanted to know more about Jesus. That is being the salt of the earth. So yes, the world is bland, and therefore unsatisfying, but the believer's lifestyle should be like salt, provoking people to thirst. 
to thirst after what? Us? No. The satisfying living water that is Jesus Christ. But then, before we move on and finish up with light, he also says, if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? Now, the salt we use, it's like salt, right? It's salt, it's salt. It lasts, almost seems like it lasts forever. Back in the day, in Jesus' time, the salt that they took from the ground was almost always mixed with other minerals. It wasn't pure salt. So the idea was that after time, the saltiness, like the value of that salt would fade and it would just be left with tasteless or useless minerals. So they would have understood that. So Jesus is saying, you know what? If the salt has become tasteless, can you then make it salty again? Like, it is no longer good for anything, Jesus says, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Why would he say that? See, the idea is this. It's kind of like that old saying, you use it or you lose it. Not your salvation. Jesus isn't saying, if you don't live for him, you're going to lose your salvation. He's saying, look, you're going to lose your influence in the world. When a believer sins, we break fellowship with God. We don't stay connected with him. We're still saved. We break fellowship with our God, and so we lose that intimacy, and we stop reading our Bible as much. We don't pray as much. We stop going to church regularly. We, we don't have fellowship with others. All these things that give us our saltiness, that remind us of the strength that we have, right? The Holy Spirit within us. And so, therefore, we become less effective. When James says, faith without works is dead, that word dead to the ancient world didn't mean non-existent. It meant useless. It meant like lifeless. James is saying, faith without your works is useless to God. How's he going to use you if you're not living for him? It's the same thing. So Jesus is saying, you have to be the salt or else you won't be that influence in the world anymore. So what happens is when we mix with the world, like the salt of the ancient days was mixed with minerals, when we mix with the world, instead of influencing it, allowing it to influence us, but not for good, then what happens? We lose our saltiness. What about light? He also says you're light of the world. He gives them two very simple things that we understand they would have understood. Salt and light. You're the light of the world. He says, city on a hill cannot be hidden. Especially, think of it back then, right? There was not all of this light all around. You try to go see the stars today, and there's all this other light from the cities around us, right? Last year, or actually it was earlier this year, my wife and I went to Maui. If you remember, we went to support our kids and at the end of the trip, the last day to celebrate our daughter's birthday, we went up to the top of Mount Haleakala, and I think I shared some pictures about that and some stories. It was the darkest place I'd ever been because we went there for sunset, and after you see the sun setting, you're above the clouds, and you see it setting. Dark is dark, <laughs> right? And so we stopped uh, down, coming down the mountain, we stopped, and we turned the headlights off of the car. There was no other cars around. There was no other light. And you could see the Milky Way. You could see stars like you've never seen before, right? It was just the amazing darkness, but it really allowed you to appreciate the light of what God had 
created, right? And so Jesus says, you're the light of the world, like a city on a hill back then. Well, of course, we know Jerusalem is up on a hill. So if there was any light at all, any candlelight from a far distance, you could see it. That's how you could tell where you were. There was a city on a hill with lights coming from it, from the people in the town. So he says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You can't hide that. He gives another example. If you have a lamp, and instead of a lampshade, you just put a basket over it, what good is the lamp? He says, you're a light. Nobody just takes a light or a candle and puts it under a basket, because then it just defeats the purpose of the light. But he says, you put it on a lampstand. Why? You put it out so that it illuminates the darkness of the room. It gives light to all who are in the house. We understand what that means. It's very basic to our daily living, but Jesus is pointing it out, saying, this is very simple but so profound. He's saying, you're salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Don't put a basket over your light. Live it out. Let your light shine before the world. How are we doing with that, church? Are we telling others about Jesus? Are we living it out? Are we taking those inner characteristics and be, of those beatitudes, those blessings, and actually living it out? Are we keeping it to ourselves and kind of just saying, thank you, God, and then just putting it under a basket and not letting the world see it? Because why? Because we're embarrassed or we're shy or we're worried about what they're going to say, right? Light is important. It reveals what is there. It points the way in the darkness. The church is the point the way to Jesus in a dark world. It enables sight. It reveals truth. It reveals Jesus. John 1, he's the light of the world. It said he was shining in the darkness, and he is so bright the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen? But light under a bushel or salt that has lost its saltiness doesn't give that influence and value in the world. Jesus is simply pointing out what happens if we don't live out our Christian purpose. Do you know that you were created for a purpose? When God drew you to himself and you believed in him for salvation, that moment of salvation, right? It says you are new in Christ and you now have this renewed this new purpose and mission. You have a message of the gospel and a mission to share it. Our mission is to be salt and light. We don't want to be a beautiful light that no one sees. We don't want to have the flavor and the joy of life that is just bland and tasteless like the world around us. So then finally, verse 16, he says, so, let your light shine before men, meaning everyone, before the world, in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We simply end with this. He says, you don't do it for your own sake. You don't do it so people can look at you and see how great you are. It's for the glory of the Father, right? Because we read that at first before he says that, before the comma, it says, Shine your light before others so they can see your good works. That doesn't sound like what Jesus would want, right? It's not about drawing attention to us and to our works, but he says, and glorify the Father who is in heaven. When we are to be salt and light, we are drawing people, yes, to, uh, 
Yes, pay attention to us because of who we represent. It's not of ourselves. So it's not our own light. We're reflecting the light of Jesus. We are not a preservative to the world. We are not flavorful to the world on our own. It's only because of Christ in us. So we do it for God's glory, right? Do it for his glory. So we are to be salt and light to be different from the world. It's been said this way, that salt in particular, right? It's not the same as the thing you put it on. Think about it. Salt is that change agent. It's the thing that brings the flavor or the preservative. If you want your French fries to taste good, you put salt on it. You don't just add more potato. See what I'm saying? You put salt on it. So it's not just more of the thing that it is. You add the salt. So we are to be separate from the world, different. All those things Jesus listed in the Beatitudes, it's like the opposite of how the world would say that we are to be and act. But he says, that's what's going to get the attention because you're representing me. And yes, people might mock you for it or even hate you for it, ridicule you for it. But we are to be salt and light. So we don't want to become like the world. We want to become like Jesus so we can represent him. The human body needs salt, that needs light for life. As I said earlier, in medical terms, it's often said that water follows salt in the body. We need that salt, that regular balance of salt. We know when we've had too much salt. We know when we've had too little. Some people struggle with that as well. There needs to be that regulation. Our bodies do an amazing job. God created it that way to keep this balance, but we need to drink water. You know, when you get up in the morning, you feel thirsty, or throughout the day, you've had too much salty food. You desire water. You know that almost one quarter of our taste buds are just designed to taste salt? That's how important it is to our bodies. We need it. It attracts the water. It keeps us so our body can function. So if medically we know that water follows the salt in our bodies, if we are being the salt of the earth, what follows? The living water. We are pointing people to Jesus. We draw people to the living water. How are we doing with that? Are we drawing people to the water? Are we being salt, a preservative, a flavoring? Are we making people thirsty for Jesus because of what they see in our lives, which is him? Are we hiding our light under a basket or like Jesus said, we're a lampstand. We're bringing light into every room we enter because we represent and shine Jesus' light. Right? Would you stand with me? We close. Psalm 34, 8 says it this way. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We began our morning by singing about beholding him. And I read from Psalm 27, right? About how we can take refuge in God, right? We get to be with him and live with him and be under his protective presence. Psalm 34, 8 says it this way. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Be blessed. Tasting like salt. Church, stay salty. And see, see that the Lord is good. Be the light of the world. It starts with us tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. 
That's our relationship with him. But then we help the world around us, the people that need it, to taste the beauty of Jesus, to see that the Lord our God is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. God, may we simply be salt and light in this world. Thank you, God, for often just making things so simple for us. We need that. God, it is a struggle each and every day, but we know through the Spirit within us, we can say no to sin. We can say no to the temptations of this dark and sin-filled world. Lord, that we may simply be the salt that helps to hold back the progression of sin and decay, that is the salt that brings flavor that others would see in us, something they desire so that we can tell them who it is that is within us, that is you, Jesus. And God, that we would be the light. God, help us, Lord, please, not to let the cares of this world just become a covering to our light. May we shine it brightly for all the world to see so that, as Jesus said, you get all the glory. We pray for that. Strengthen us, Lord. Help us to do that as we leave this place, that we would be salt and light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning, church. Praise the Lord.